Hello everybody, welcome to Amnesty's Uyghur Muslim Awareness Week. For our fourth day, we decided to present you with a podcast about Uyghur Muslims. Before we start, you should know who your hosts are. So without further ado, I'm Leila Hedruj, and I've been a member of Amnesty International Club for four years. Our podcast is more formally called Muslim Youth Against Global Injustices, or Mayagi for short. I begin the IFS Amnesty chapter at our school. Each year, our group fixates on a certain issue that doesn't receive as much media attention as it should be. This year, we decided to focus on Uyghur Muslims, a Turkish minority located in Xinjiang, China. And my name is Nuralane Mirza. I've been part of Amnesty International Club for two years now. The issue is very close to me because I'm a Muslim, and it's very disheartening knowing that fellow Muslims are going through a very difficult time, and the media isn't bringing any awareness to it. Thank you for joining us on our very first podcast today. Now, many of you might be wondering who the Uyghurs even are. I was honestly very surprised to know that a majority of people were unaware about the issue circulating Uyghurs. Even some Muslims were confused as to who they were. Well, as Leila mentioned, Uyghur Muslims are a Turkish minority group located in Xinjiang, China, that have been detained in re-education camps since April of 2017. Now, some 3 million Uyghur Muslims have been subjected to unfair treatment since the Chinese Communist Party, or CCP, had taken control of China in 1949. Initially, the Uyghurs were the majority in the Xinjiang region up until this point. When the CCP had taken control, however, they established incentives for the Han majority to move to Xinjiang. Ever since then, Uyghurs became the minority, subjected to unfair treatment from the Chinese government. Initially, this unfair treatment started with the denial of jobs, government positions, and more. Soon, it escalated to detaining Uyghurs in what the Chinese government calls re-education camps, intended to eradicate extremism and separatism. Detainees are arrested for various reasons, including studying abroad, going to mosques, and even sending texts with Quranic verses. The most horrific thing is, is we have no idea what's happening in these camps. It's reported to range from forced labor, pledging loyalty to the CCP, renouncing Islam, and more. If not complied, prisoners are subjected to sexual abuse, torture, or possibly committing suicide. One of the things the Uyghur Muslims face is a tightening grip on their religious practices. Official amnesty reports state that, in March, the XUAR, the extremification regulation, was passed with a clear nod to national security-related laws. The regulation prohibits extremist behavior, which includes wearing burqas, having abnormal beards, and refusing to take part in state, cultural, and recreational activities. This was China's blueprint to determining what a Uyghur Muslim looks like. Alongside this series of draconian amendments, we will see more state interferences, more religious activities banned, and more financial penalties on religious organizations. These amendments also prohibit Uyghur Muslims from organizing a trip to Hajj, a yearly religious pilgrimage in Islam. And this could result in a fine of $30,000. There are individuals who have faced a variety of mistreatment under Chinese authority. Guli Jina Tashimamati, and I apologize if I'm butchering her name, a young Uyghur student studying at University of Technology in Malaysia was detained. The Chinese government threatened to arrest her father. Fearful for his safety, she had visited him in Yili, China, to make sure he was okay. During her stay, the Chinese government forced her, forced her to give blood samples, passport copies, and made her promise to Chinese authority that she would return after her studies. When she returned to Malaysia, she studied day and night. After finishing her studies, she revisited her father in Yili, China, still fearful for his arrest. December 26, 2017 was the last anyone saw of Guli Jina. WeChat, a popular Chinese social media app, is used to track Uyghur Muslims. 
From this, many Uyghur refugees are forcibly removed from their home back to China. In fact, Amnesty International has called on the Chinese authorities to reveal the whereabouts of 20 ethnic Uyghur asylum seekers who were forcibly deported from Cambodia to China on December 19th. The group, which includes two very young children, may be at risk of torture or even execution since their forcible deportation at the request of the Chinese government. Another unfortunate instance IFS Amnesty has been working closely on is Ilyas Jiang Rahman, and I apologize if I butchered his name, a Uyghur Muslim who was studying in Egypt and removed from his home, wife, and two children in 2017. We still don't know where he is, and our only form of communication is with his wife. We've been working very hard to determine his whereabouts. Alongside Ilyas Jiang, 200 Uyghur students were round up in Egypt and sent back to China in July 2017. These crackdowns and espionages of Uyghur Muslims worldwide have become normal. Journalists, educators, fathers, and mothers, no one is safe. Even after countless riots and protests, Uyghur voices continue to go unheard. Only in 2018, the UN Committee on the Elimination of Racial Discriminations, concluding observations highlighted serious human rights violations against ethnic minorities in China, including the arbitrary, prolonged, incommunicado mass detention of Uyghurs under the pretext of countering terrorism and religious extremism, with estimates of the numbers of detained ranging from tens of thousands to upwards of a million, the broad and unclear definition of terrorism, extremism, and separatism in Chinese legislation, which has the potential to criminalize peaceful civic and religious expression, targeting ethnic minority groups, in particular Muslim Uyghurs and Buddhist Tibetans, and the marginalization of the use of Tibetans and Uyghurs' own languages and punishment of Tibetan language and advocacy. These crackdowns are apparent, yet no further action is being taken. As we can see, this has been going on for far too long. Many of you might be wondering what you can do to help. Wonder no longer because the most important form of help comes from you. One of Amnesty's core beliefs is that human rights must be respected, protected, and fulfilled. We must embody those beliefs by helping Uyghur Muslims worldwide. You can educate yourself on what's happening to Uyghur Muslims through individual research. There's countless articles, videos, and more. Take time to look on Amnesty International's website to understand what's going on. We only covered the tip of the iceberg. You can tell your state and local representatives to hold China accountable. They can end Uyghur forced labor by voting yes on the Forced Uyghur Labor Bill Act. Make sure you call or email your state and local representatives to vote yes on this legislation. You can sign petitions to free individual Uyghurs through Amnesty's website. There's plenty of you to choose from, including several we've included for our Awareness Week. Also, another great resource is savetheuyghurs.card.co. That's card with two R's. It has plenty of petitions, donation sites, and more for you to choose from. But most importantly, spread the word. Continue educating others, bringing attention to this issue, posting on social media, and any other forms of awareness you can think of. Participate in events that Amnesty holds, like this week's dedication to Uyghur Muslim Awareness. Don't forget to continue these activities for each day and remember that together we'll be able to expose what's really happening to Uyghur Muslims. Help us give the Uyghur Muslims a voice and end the internment camps in China today. Thank you for listening to our very first podcast. And remember, the fight against the infringement upon human rights never stops.